1960, Bowles was unique among politicians in that he refused to adapt to contemporary pressures. To him, it was as if the Cold War had never taken place. He was markedly untouched by it. He believed that the problems America encountered were its own, what it did at home and in the world, not what the Soviet Union did. He was, it seemed at the moment, somewhat behind the times. A few long years later, it would seem that he had been ahead of them. Bowles' influence had diminished steadily during the campaign. The problem was that the mix between Kennedy and Bowles was not very good. Bowles, though wealthy, lacked the aristocratic style. In an administration which placed great emphasis on style and ironically would be remembered more for its style than its achievements, there was a feeling that Bowles had the wrong style. Whoever else the Secretary of State was, it would not be Adlai Stevenson either. Stevenson was the principal spokesman of a wing of the Democratic Party that believed that the United States must take more initiative to end the arms race, that if America did not recognize Red China, it should at least begin to move toward that goal, that nationalism was the new and most potent force in the underdeveloped world, that the United States must support it even at the expense of weakening ties with NATO allies, and finally, that the greatest threat in the world might prove to be not communism, but the combination of the arms race plus hunger and poverty in the third world. The Kennedy brothers regarded Stevenson as indecisive and almost prissy, despite the fact that the presidential races against great odds in 1952 and 56 against Eisenhower might historically be viewed as acts of courage. So it would not be Bowles or Stevenson. It was typical of the political subtleties that before Kennedy decided on who his secretary would be, he had decided on who it would not be. What it came down to was a search not for the most talent, the greatest brilliance, but for the fewest black marks, the fewest objections. The Kennedys were looking for a man to fill the most important cabinet post, a job requiring infinite qualities of intelligence, wisdom, and sophistication, a knowledge both of this country and the world, and they were going about it, as presidential candidates had often filled that other most crucial post, the vice presidency, by choosing someone who had offended the fewest people, everybody's number two choice. Dean Rusk. He was everybody's number two. After Rusk had been offered the post as Secretary of State, he was told that Chester Bowles would be his undersecretary. Rusk said how pleased he was with the news. Not surprisingly, the Rusk-Bowles relationship never became a reality, since Rusk worked under a president with whom he could not communicate, and above an undersecretary who made the president uneasy. None of the three was on the same wavelength as the others. The Kennedy-Rusk relationship failed on more serious levels. Rusk, who always did things through channels and by the book, was never able to adjust to the freewheeling, deliberately disorganized Kennedy system. Those who had applauded the idea of the weak Secretary of State had gotten what they wanted and deserved. Those years would show in the American system 
how when a question of the use of force arose in government, the advocates of force were always better organized, and that fending them off in his own government, a president would need all the help he could possibly get, not the least of which should be a powerful secretary of state. It was a glittering time. They literally swept into office, ready, moving, generating their style, their confidence. Day after day we read about them, each new man more brilliant than the last. They carried with them an exciting sense of American elitism, a sense that the best men had been summoned forth. If there was a lack of modesty in the Kennedy beginnings, there were intellectuals who felt a more modest, limited sense about their own nation and its possibilities. In mid-1961, David Reisman, a Harvard sociologist, had lunch with two of the more...